Hey, it's me, Trade Show Guy, uh, Tim Patterson. I'm, I'm broadcasting or recording or whatever you want to call it from the basement of my studio. Uh, Trade Show Guy exhibits is upstairs, and this is the basement studio. See, I got, I got guitar. I got bass guitar. I got drums over there. And it's cold down here. That's why I'm wearing fingerless gloves. <laughs> There's a space heater down here, but you know, it's winter. I, we don't heat this place all that much. So last week I had Scruffy the dog on when I was out back. He's back. Although uh, once I crank up the drums and guitars and bass, he'll be long gone. He'll be upstairs hiding like under the covers or something like that. He doesn't like it loud doing. Uh, so anyway, uh, Scruffy's back upstairs. He got a treat. Anyway, Tim Patterson, Trade Show Guy of Trade Show Guy Exhibits, right upstairs. This behind me is my record collection. It used to be about three times the size, but many, 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 many years ago. I sold about two-thirds of it to a friend who was starting a record store. A couple friends said they needed some stuff, and I said, well, I got a bunch of stuff. I spent a lot of years in radio, and I, as a result, as a music director, you just, that stuff comes to you, just collects with you, and you can't get rid of it <laughs> until some guy that wants to start a record store comes along. So I got, I got a lot of great stuff here. Um, I got a pretty big reggae collection. I got signed stuff here and there. Um, it's pretty cool. You know, I could we could spend time doing that if you want. Uh, but nah, let's let's just go on to the podcast. Vinyl's great. By the way, uh, the store here in Salem Ranch Records. I was in there just recently, and I was talking to the kit, the owner, and he had mentioned that I said CDs are they going away? He goes, Yeah, we only sell about about twenty percent of what we sell is CDs. About eighty percent is vinyl. Of course, he really specializes in vinyl, and so maybe that one is one of the reasons. But uh, anyway, Trade Show Guy Exhibits is a full-service exhibit house. Uh, what we have been doing lately, it's been a very busy uh, couple of weeks. I've been working for about three weeks on a response to a request for proposal, an RFP for a company in South Korea that was uh, referred to me by my friend Ken Newman of Magnet Productions, great presenter. I believe he's worked with them and, and they want to do a new booth. And so we've been responding to this, getting all the information. And it's it, if we get it, um, it's a long shot, I think, because it is so big and it's so close. It's not really um, specifically in our wheelhouse. We can handle it. It's it's It would happen. It should be a quick turnaround, I guess, uh, because it's for an exhibit in April. Um, if we get it, of course, I'll tell you all about it. If not, maybe I'll tell you more about it. But a lot of digital uh, monitor stuff in there, LED tiles and things like that is what they're looking at. So uh, that would be, <laughs> be a fun project to get. Um, but it would be like once that happens, it'd be all hands on deck, as it were, for you know, for a couple of months, very quickly. Uh, I am planning to go to Expo West, Natural Products Expo West. That is uh, March seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, right through that era area. I've got uh, a number of clients that are going to be there. We're, we're doing some makeovers on booths. Dave's Killer Bread, uh, Wetterspoon, Schmidt's Naturals, Bob's Red Mill, and other folks that I've worked with are there as well. It's a great, great show, big show, very big show. This week's interview, the podcast interview, I was on LinkedIn here a few weeks back, saw a video from a guy uh, in Ireland calling himself the Exhibition Guy. I thought, Exhibition Guy? I'm Trade Show Guy. He's the Exhibition Guy. We gotta talk. And I got his email address and sent him a note, and we set up an interview. A fun interview. Uh, Stephen Murtaugh, the exhibition guy in Dublin, Ireland. Enjoy this interview. 
All right. Thanks for joining me for Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. Stephen, you're in Dublin, Ireland. Uh, I'm in Salem, Oregon. We're a long ways away from each other. But hey, we can talk just like we're next door. How about that? Absolutely. Sounds great. Sounds great. I appreciate you joining me. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I, I got to mention how I, I tracked you down. Uh, LinkedIn, I spend a fair amount of time there. And I saw something you had posted. Uh, I guess you were in your car. You're were, you were putting a video up. I thought, well, that's kind of kind of creative. And then I noticed you're the exhibition guy. So being the trade show guy, I had to, had to track you down. So where did the exhibition guy come from? Where did that handle come from? It's interesting, actually, Tim, because I set up a company about six months ago called Your Sales Coach. And again, it was for sales coaching. But everyone said to me, you know, you're the exhibition guy. You're the guy who knows about exhibitions. And it's funny, when I used to get on the phone to sell exhibition space and the client would be pretending they weren't there, the receptionist would be saying, oh, it's that guy, the exhibition guy is on the phone. Right. So I thought to myself, there's, there's, there's got to be a bit of mileage in this, actually. So I started to rebrand myself as the exhibition guy on LinkedIn, actually. And what started to happen was I started to get all these invitations and links and connections from people all around the world going, love your posts, love that you're very specialist in what you do. So I kept on branding as hashtag the exhibition guy. And it just stuck. And in fact, I was in a coffee shop recently and uh, I had my hoodie on, which had the exhibition guy on it. And a guy who I'd never met before tapped me on the shoulder and he said, uh, hey, you're the kind of guy from LinkedIn who's always posting stuff about exhibition. <laughs> So it's kind of taken a life of its own, and it's been brilliant, actually. It's been that's brilliant. really that's a cool, cool uh, branding uh, exercise. I like that. Now, do you work uh, mainly uh, in the UK, or do you do Europe, uh, the, the mainland there? I'm just curious where most of your, your work is done. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, mainly at currently, a lot of it's in Ireland and the UK, but I mean, the, big, the world is a very big place for an exhibition point of view. I'm mad keen to get to the States, because you guys have such a huge industry there. Ireland's a very small place. We have very small exhibitions compared to the US ones. So I'd love to be traveling all over the world doing this because I'm so passionate about exhibitions. <laughs> what I want to do is talk about exhibitions. Now, you've been in the industry for, for 25 years. Uh, have you always worked for yourself? Did you kind of take a trail to get to what you're doing now? I presume you're, 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 you're kind of, you're, as the exhibition guy, you're working for yourself to a sense. Yeah, I am indeed. No, it's, it's, I suppose I started working for other companies who were selling shows. So I was a sales guy and then I was a sales manager. And then I set up my own uh, company organizing shows and did that for a number of years. Unfortunately, it went a while up down a few years, by 2010. And so I freelanced after that with other exhibition organizers. So in terms of having my own business, I've done it before. This is solely my own business and solely focusing on both exhibitors but also organizers, working with organizers, salespeople, how to sell exhibition space. So I suppose that's what brought, what's brought me to here is the traction of LinkedIn plus my experience. And on your website, you mentioned uh, doing some, some training. What kind of training do you do and, and, and who do you tr target that at? Yep, there's two, uh, there's two sides to the training. I suppose initially I would train uh, small and medium enterprises who are taking a boot for the first time. And I would go in and I would work with them on putting together a pre-show marketing plan. So it would be from what they do before they arrive at the exhibition, what they do when they're, they're there, and obviously what to do with follow-up. So it's for exhibitors on one side of the, of the house. The other side of the business is for organizers, which would be much more global, which would be working with big companies in terms of training their salespeople how to sell more stands or more boots and exhibitions. 
So what do you think is the biggest challenge from the first group that you talked about that are fairly new to it? What things are they missing? What things did they, they didn't really think about um, before they get into the, uh, to the uh, idea of exhibiting as a marketing tool? I suppose the biggest, the biggest one I see all the time is, is guys just assuming that the organizer of the event is going to do everything. They're going to do all the marketing and the company who are exhibiting don't have to do anything. They just arrive and all the customers will pour in the door and spend money with them. It's, I, I'm there to educate companies. You need to be putting that work in beforehand yourself. You need to market yourself at the show. And that's what they're not doing. I was at a training course last week. The show was six days away. The companies hadn't even sent any invitations out to their prospective clients. I mean, that, that's just crazy that people will spend all this money and then do no marketing. I can almost see why they would assume that, though, because if they're going to join a show there, they figure, A, there's going to be a whole bunch of people there that are there just to see the exhibitors. So there's going to be a lot yeah. of people going to come by my booth. And B, because of that, I, I, I'll be there. I'll be part of that mix. And so I'll obviously get some people there to the show. But you're right. I think that, that having a plan prior to the show, getting people, whether it's current clients, potential clients, you know, prospects to come by your booth, give them a reason to come by your booth. And then obviously once in, they're in the booth, there's a lot that goes on. Um, you know, we always talk about trade show staff training, uh, yes. making sure they know how to interact with people that are there, lead generation, the follow-up, all of that stuff. So uh, there's much more to it uh, than just, you know, showing up. So Yeah, I know. And it's funny because people do, they show up, but it's, it's just the small things that make a difference actually. I mean, to give you an example, I was involved in a show two years ago in Dublin and it was a, an interior design show. And a lady had a lovely stand selling art, really nice art. It was a two meter by two meter boot, so very small, but lovely art in the world. But she sat there for three days. She literally did not get off the chair for three days. And, and, and it's funny, she came to me afterwards and said, oh, the show was rubbish, you got no business from it, I'm never doing it again. I said, well, that's because you sat there doing nothing. I said, because the guy <laughs> beside you, no, it's funny Tim, because the guy beside her did really well, and the guy on the other side of her did really well. So there's something wrong somewhere. So I said to her, you know, I tried to persuade her, obviously I want to do the show again. She said, no way. But I said, if you do the show again, you've got to have no furniture. So you no, no chair and stand. So you have to engage with people. Yeah. So she actually took a stand the following year and I banned her from having a chair. So you're not allowed to have a chair. <laughs> but the point is she had to stand. And when she was standing, she kind of had to engage. And that made it much more, she was more approachable because she was engaging. Otherwise she was sitting there texting or reading a newspaper and that's just not going to work. Yeah, it's the body language. It's everything that goes into it. People have only a second when they walk by and they see somebody, if they're eating a, a sandwich or, or texting away, they're going to just keep on walking. But if you're standing there with your, with your trying to make um, eye contact and you have an, a question that relates to what you're doing, um, yeah. I think that's, that's the way to do it. So you were going to say something about four things? You've got four seconds to make an impression. Yeah. On I mean, that, that's it. I mean, you want your colors to be bold and, and up there and your message has got to be clear. If you don't get the, get the attention of those four seconds, the guy's walking down the aisle, you're never, you may never see him again. Why not try? Why go to an exhibition and not really engage with people and get the thing you went there for in the first place? I'm know. curious if you have much uh, way to compare what happens in America versus what happens in Europe, uh, the, the approach to exhibiting as far as the, the actual exhibits itself. I, my impression, I haven't been to Europe to see a, an exhibit, but I know people that have, is that they're, they're much more colorful, they're, they're, they're different, there's a, lot more, there's a lot more to it, to, to a specific, and, they, and they're larger. A lot, of, a lot of companies will just go large in, in Europe, and that doesn't mean they don't do it here, but it seems to be more common over there. What do you think? 
Yeah, I agree with you, actually, because I think the system, the, certainly the base exhibition system, used pipe and drape in the States, which we don't use that much in Europe at all. Now, I, I haven't been to an exhibition in the States in a long time, but over in, in, in certainly in Europe, the Oxnorm system is used, which is now, there's a lot more work in terms of dressing it off, and you have to put more effort into it in some ways. I'm not saying they don't put effort in the States, but you do because of the, the way the system is. You've got to build a more fancy stand. And they do. I mean, you go to Germany, for example, the stands are hundreds of square meters. I mean, they're talking minimum. I, mean, I know a company who spent, I think, half a million on, on their space. Right. On just the space, yeah. And, and you know you you the, the language is a little bit different too you talk about stands that's rarely that word is rarely heard it's a booth it's an exhibit um you know yeah. it's interesting that just the language uh display is used sometimes but i think i hear that more about uh europe than, than not um you know yeah. but, but the stand is a very common term over there and it's not here so it's kind of interesting yeah no, it is it's interesting because because anytime i'm posting articles on linkedin and if you're trying to aim at an american audience i've got to use the word booth yeah. because you don't get the stand thing like we don't get the boot thing. So it's kind of, but I suppose at the end of the day, the principle is the same. Yeah. But the words are different. I mean, we all have different words, I suppose. But um, it is. It's, it's a bit of a challenge, all right, Bush. I'm curious if you have uh, some tips that you'd like to share. It doesn't matter what you have to share. Just pull something out of your hat that you can share. Uh, like, a, like if you were doing a, a 60 second uh, thing on LinkedIn, what kind of things would you talk about that you would want to get people to, to do? Yeah, basically, I, I have what I call a PDA approach. That's a pre, during, and after tips that I would give people. Pre-show, I would say to people, you need to have a plan. You need to have three clear objectives as to why you're exhibiting on a show. If you don't have these, you, you go to the show with this woolly idea of getting loads of sales. That's not going to work. You need to know exactly why you're there. During the show, I would say you need to ban furniture or at least limit furniture on your stand and give a positive body engagement to show people you're interested. Don't be texting on the stand or sitting reading the newspaper. You need to be up there eyeballing people. I hate that expression, but it's, it, it makes sense. And A, the after, and this is the crucial one, 80% of leads from trade shows are never chased up. You've got to chase those leads within six days or they're dead in the water. So that crucially chase the leads straight after the show. I understand why people don't do it. You come back to your office after an, after an exhibition, you're busy, other things have happened. You need to prioritize. In my mind, actually, Tim, what I would suggest people do is think of the first day they come back from the show as still a show day. Just have that mental thing in your head. I like that. Because you need to chase up those leads. because Otherwise, it's just a waste of time. People get disinterested. The guys are on stand. Oh, I might go somewhere else. Get them while they're hot. That's the only way. That's why you're there. That's why you do next <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Now, depending on the industry and, and the way you run your business, it might, you know, I always try and get people to, to know so that both parties, when they leave the booth, know what the next step is. It may be, uh, I'm sending you something uh, in, a, in a week. I maybe I'm sending you a sample. It may be I'm calling you in a month because you're not interested right now, but I will call you in a month. So if you both agree on it, uh, but other than that, yes, if you don't have that in place, I would say you have to call as soon as you get back. Now, I understand that, and I've done this, because you come back and, and they're not into, they're not answering the phone, they're not doing it. So you yeah. just keep trying every day until you, until you get it. And sometimes weeks go by before you actually do get a hold of them, because that some can be very difficult. But those are great, great tips. A minute ago, it's very true, actually. I, I, would offer, I would offer what I call an ABCD strategy with regard to leads. So you classify the leads when you're at the show. And A is somebody who needs contact straight away, as in the next two, three days. Say a B is somebody within week, maybe 10 days of the outside. A C is a longer term prospect. And a D is a dump prospect because you know yourself, there's people at shows who are, who are tire kickers, as we call them in Europe. 
they're, they're never going to buy off you. But you need to classify them so you know which is which. Because otherwise you're wasting your time. Otherwise you're putting all your energy into prospects who really might not be interested in buying at all. So it's just big. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, before I wrap it up here, I want to uh, make sure people know how to get a hold of you if they happen to run across this and, and they're That's in your good. neck of the woods. Uh, <laughs> what's your website? Yeah, it's the exhibitionguide.com. Nice, okay. nice. And I'm always on LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn and I love connecting with people from all over the world. It's great and I love sharing content. So you get me the exhibition guy or Steve Mert on LinkedIn as well. And if someone is in Dublin, where, should, where, do, they, where do they need to go for a good lunch? <laughs> where they go? Good question. Grafton Street. Grafton Street is our main shopping area in, in Dublin City and it's where, where all the famous people hang out. Although most of them are in the States now, but uh, a lot of the famous Irish people who have lots of money hang out in Grafton Street. So you want to have a pint in Grafton Street. A pint of <laughs> <A pint-y> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Stephen, it's been fun uh, chatting with you. I do hope we get to meet in person sometime, whether it's here on the that. state side or, or in Europe somewhere. Uh, Dublin would be great too. So again, I we'll take your point if you're in Dublin. You're, having a uh, you, you're on. Okay. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Not at all. You're a gentleman. Thanks, Tim. Thanks again to Stephen Murtaugh, the exhibition guy from Dublin, Ireland. I got to go over to Dublin and have a pint with him. Uh, that would be a lot of fun. Also on the Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee this week, the Trade Show Tip of the Week. And it has to do with timeline. If you've got a big exhibit project coming up or even a small one, you know, the more time you have, the better it is for everybody. It gives time to think about it. Uh, we did a 30 by 30 for Bob's Red Mill here a number of years ago. We had six or seven months to do it in. And that gave us a lot of time to go through the design, make sure that we had all the elements we wanted, make sure the designer understood everything, uh, have lots of discussions, times to review it and stuff. Although uh, you can do it quicker um, and you can get a great exhibit that way. We did a project in my old company, Interpretive Exhibits, that was a design and fabrication and ship uh, 10 by 20 in 35 days. Not 35 working days, but 35 days from start to finish, weekends included. And it was a gorgeous booth. They still use it. Uh, it was a great project, Highlands, which is going to be at Expo West. I mentioned them, uh, the show. And so that, you, but the timeline is very important. There's a lot that goes into building an exhibit. You got to know what you want. You got to explore those options with your designer and your fabricator. Make uh, sure you know what materials you might use, what electronics you might use, how it all plays out. Uh, you know, foot traffic, all the stuff. Designers need to be involved, graphic designers. So there, a lot can go into it. The more time you have, the better off you are. I would say if you're going to do a full, um, gosh, island booth, you'd need six months or you'd want six months. You wouldn't necessarily need them, but it would be good if you had them. Uh, anything else you want three or four months to just talk about and make sure you get it. You can go buy something off the shelf and just order it uh, from the catalog. Uh, nothing wrong with that. Um, just depends on what you want. But if it's a custom build and you're going from scratch, a lot of time, five or six months is, is something you like to do. So uh, this week's one good thing. One of my favorite uh, YouTube channels is by a guy named Casey Neistat. Neistat, Neistat, I'm not sure how you pronounce his name. A very creative videographer. He's got millions of followers on Trade uh, Casey Neistat. Is it Neistat? Is it Neistat? I don't know. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> Casey's on YouTube and he's got millions of followers. And when he posts a video, it just astonishes me. Three hours after he posted, he's got, you know, half a million uh, views. It's just crazy. Very, very creative. One of the favorite stories that he tells, uh, if you look back through his uh, channel, is that at one point he was given $25,000 by Nike to put together a nice film for them. 
And he just took the money and went to Africa, I think, or something like that, and spent it and made a great, great film for them. And then mentioned Nike a few times. But he's creative enough, and he has enough people to watch him that he's able to get away with that. Does a lot of quick edits, a lot of quick cuts, uh, very creative time lapse, and this and that, and all sorts of stuff. Uh, travels everywhere, talks about his personal life. It's all there, and uh, the link is uh, in the trade show notes. So find it. Uh, it's Casey Neistat's YouTube channel. And with that... Have yourself a terrific week.